Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 86 of the Real Estate Investing Podcast, discussing different roles in our land investing business. I'm your host, Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get into the show, let's go over a question from one of our featured members in Discord. Question from Trevor. I'm looking to hire my first employee. I want someone who can do a little bit of everything, but specifically the acquisition side. Where do I start? And Ron, I think we got this question because it kind of pairs up with with this um, topic as a whole. Exactly. And we had a good conversation with one of our members in the Friday lunch chat about this situation. And it sounds like you know that you want to hire an acquisition person, which is really good. If you're just looking to hire like a, someone who can do everything, like it's really difficult to hire. I think you want to hire someone uh, for a job that is a weakness for you personally that you're struggling with maybe, and you can hire someone who's going to do a better job or just something that you do not like. So if you don't like acquisitions, I think this is a great start. Treat, treat it like it's a real business. Know what you're looking for before you post a job, post it on LinkedIn, post it on Facebook, post it on uh, Indeed if you want, and actually try to hire. If, if you're looking for an acquisitions person, you're probably making some pretty good money. So treat it like it's a real hiring process. Interview people, know what your core values are, know who you're trying to hire, and go in like that. Don't rush the process. That's what I really urge people to do when they're hiring their first employee. Make sure it's a good fit. Even if you only have two people you're interviewing, if neither of them work out or if neither of them appear to be a good fit for your company, uh, keep on pushing the, uh, the posting other places and wait till you get the actually right candidate. Exactly. I think one of the key points here is actually knowing exactly what you want to hire, what type of person you want to hire and what role you want to hire for, because salespeople are kind of their own breed in a way, Ron. And, you know, just like a data person's kind of their own breed, they're not as comfortable on the phones generally. It's kind of like the jack of all traits is the jack of none type of mentality, I think, with this. So ha- knowing exactly what you want to hire, what kind of person, the core values, like Ron said, take your time with it. Because at the end of the day, you could rush this, get someone on board, up your volume instantly. But then four, five, six months down the road, they're going to leave because they're unhappy. They don't fit your company or vice versa. Or you have to get rid of them. And then it just makes things harder. And it's more, it's worth it to take your time up front, I think. But let's get into the show talking about different roles in our land investing business. Ron, let's first talk about outsourcing and hiring kind of with our with what we did early on in our business, how we started and why is it important? And it's just really a major hurdle to get over. So when we first started this business, Daniel and I, our roles really overlapped in the business and we wanted to see what roles kind of fit each of us. So we're both kind of doing everything. And it was I, I don't urge people to have overlapping roles, but at this point in our business, we weren't sure who was going to do sales, who was going to do data and so on. Uh, how it ended up with us when it was just Dan and I, it was, he was doing sales, I was doing data and we we're kind of tag teaming the actual selling of our properties. So by sales, I'm saying he was doing the acquisitions and then selling our properties. We kind of tag teamed. Uh, going into that, we, we wanted to hire from a job, the first person we wanted to hire was an acquisition, not an acquisitions person, I'm sorry, was a title person. And the reason was that because I, I personally was doing that stuff and I did not enjoy it. So like we said at the beginning of this and the question is hire someone for a job that you either are struggling with or you just do not like. And uh, I'm not an overly organized person. I know acquis- or not title is a really important 
part of it is organization. So that's what we hired. We hired a title person who took over a lot. Like, yeah, their main job was title, but like Daniel said, they did other things for us as well that really helped grow our business over those first three to six months before we hired a second person. Exactly. And we did hire someone for title in due diligence and transaction coordinating, but they were able to help because they are more versatile as a person, which I think is pretty important early on because as a small business, you're going to have overlapping roles, like Ron said. So having someone that could do a little bit of title work, list the properties, do answer some inbound for sale calls, get those questions answered. Someone who's willing to put in extra work with maybe what they're not hiring hired for originally is really, really important for small businesses, I think. Because what happens if you're sick or you're out or someone else is out? Everyone needs to be able to do everyone's role early on, I think. That's really, really important for sustainability. But Ron, the way I see it is... Now we're kind of building people to grow the business and to make decisions. We're building people. We're, we're not as focused as the, on the micro day-to-day stuff as the bigger pictures, hiring and kind of cultivating a culture to hire or to have people make those big decisions on their own, build leaders, build future leaders of the company. And what we're kind of finding out, the more we put into the people, the more we can grow, right? Ron and I can only grow the business, Ron plus me but we hire more people, they can help scale the business. So it's just like with any outsourcing you do, you put time, energy, training into these people and they can help exponentially grow. It gives them a path really, these core values that Ron's talking about and cultivating this kind of uh, culture in the company gives, gives your employees a path to make decisions on their own so you're not involved in every single thing. Yeah, and it was a, uh, it was a struggle for me at first hiring, maybe paying people a little more because that vision of growing the people to be future leaders of the company, to be future decision makers. Yeah, they're not going to come in right away and be decision makers. But if you grow them to that, you want you need to hire someone that can grow into that role or that, that you think. You really never know when you hire someone. But that person, if you think they can eventually be a manager and be a decision maker, decide whether you're going to buy a property, that is a huge, huge role and a huge trust thing that you put into them, as well as a lot of education that they have to have. And if they're not capable of that level of decision making, it might not be the right fit. And that's why, that's the reason we hired our current salesperson. We see someone who's going to fit a bigger role down the line. That's all of our positions really are built to grow into bigger positions in the company to be leaders because we're eventually going to have more than one salesperson. So either they're going to have to manage someone or we're going to have to hire a manager where you're managing a sales team of three or four people or something like that. So it's, it's really, it was hard for me. I I think it was a little easier for Dan to be hundred percent honest, hiring someone and paying someone maybe 30, 40 extra thousand dollars a year. Uh, But the long-term vision is going to supersede all that, like that 30 or 40 grand that uh, we could have cut our payroll, I guess. Uh, but I think it's definitely worth it in the long run hiring someone who's a little more qualified and to grow with us as well. Exactly. And it depends what, like obviously a transaction coordinator generally is cheaper than a salesperson, but salesperson has some advantages too. You can pay them a lot of those guys, uh, like contractor type of commissions, Ron. So you could just pay based on the commission that they're making. So you only pay when you're paid, things like that. There's some advantages to hiring both. I think transaction coordinators are generally cheaper. I think we pay ours. I'm not going to get into the numbers actually, but let's get, let's get on, keep on track here, Ron. Let's talk about different roles in our business, different roles in our land business, Ron. So the first one I want to talk about since 
we already are talking about him. So the transaction coordinator, that was our first person going back. Maybe we do it a little bit different, but it did work out well. It's just a little more upfront than like hiring. Some people hire a virtual assistant first and things like that, Ron. But transaction coordinator was our, our first move for the reason, like you said, you just didn't really like to do that work and you weren't as detailed and we knew we could improve our business immediately by outsourcing that. Yeah, it was. So to give you guys an overview of what they actually did. So we hired them, obviously, that handle the buy and sell side transaction coordinator title management part, talking to our buyers and sellers once we were under contract. And then they sprinkled in some other roles that really helped us, whether it was just like keeping all of our documents organized. So we had closing documents organized for a bookkeeper, ordering drones, posting on different websites. We tried to minimize with her because I knew it wasn't like a comfortable thing with her. We didn't want really negotiation stuff with buyers or sellers. So we tried to keep that with Daniel or myself. But as far as just spring, the main job and the role that we hired for was transaction coordinator, which is managing the title company on the buy and sell side, scheduling closings on the buy and sell side, and then also giving updates to our buyers and sellers once we're under contract. Uh, and that role alone is a very diligent role that you need a ton of organization with. Like I said, I think it's a really good first hire. But like you said earlier, Daniel, you want someone who's a little more diverse, who can probably do some of those other technological things like post things on websites, order droners, that kind of stuff, which can be taught. But I think getting someone that can grow like that is important as well. Yeah. Someone young and tech savvy was good to have because there was a lot of things, backend type of WordPress website related stuff that they were doing. They were listing the properties, coming up with descriptions so they could be, they were a decent writer in that aspect reaching back out to sellers. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And I think having a versatile person is very important for your first hire. Another person we have, we have a general assistant who does a ton of backend stuff and behind the scenes. They started as a virtual assistant from the Philippines and we, we hired them on full time. They do a ton for us. They are extremely valuable, especially being overseas and being a lot less expensive and more affordable than uh people here local to the United States, Ron, that's been an extremely, extremely beneficial hire for us. Yeah. And he's kind of like a jack of all trades, I guess you kind of say Dan, in terms of the stuff he does, he's not talking on the phone and you got to keep people within their lane and what they can do. Like for a lot of, uh, people who aren't based in the United States, you need to be very instruction oriented. You got to make training videos for them. So that's what Daniel and I made sure we did. Like, this is how you do this step. Every time we get a lead like this, this is how we're going to do it and just go on. And he's extremely detail oriented. He's, he loves learning. We have Friday meetings every week. And my favorite thing, like hearing him say is like, I learned something new this week. That makes me happy. That's a big win for me this week. Cause I learned this, I add to my, uh, added to my arsenal of things I can do for you guys. So that's huge for us. And he's been just as valuable as any other employee on our staff. Absolutely. And they're, like I said, a lot more affordable. This would not be a bad hire if you need a lot of backend data scrubbing, preparing things, listing things, a lot of backend stuff. They can really take it off your plate. Um, next role I want to talk about, Ron, is the sales staff. So we have a sales guy right now, but we're looking to maybe split that in the future, maybe have someone on the acquisition side, maybe someone on the sales side, Ron. We're open-minded with that, but that's, the, that's another role that we have, sales, right? Getting people on the phone, calling people back immediately, getting properties under contract, negotiating, working with title along with Ron and I, seeing what they can negotiate to. They really can really exponentially help grow this business. We've seen an amazing amount of 
purchase agreement since hiring this person just come in things that maybe we would have got, maybe we wouldn't have got, but they're creating opportunities of things that we definitely wouldn't have got without a salesperson by following up. That's their job, right? Their job's following up, negotiating and trying to get things under contract. So that's what they're focused on. There will be an immediate return on investment for this role within, I'd say, just a couple of weeks of being on the phone, Ron. Yeah, especially because it's, I mean, I currently we have a training uh, period that's like three months. And then after that, it's 100% or it's like, train or it's salary or commission. So it's commission job and salespeople in general, they give you such a good return because like they don't make money typically if you don't make money and that that's the value in it. So to clarify our role, cause that's the title of this, our role is he is doing the acquisitions and selling our properties. So the way we viewed it when we hired this role is we want someone motivated to buy property, obviously. And it goes through us in terms of the approval when we buy things, but we wanted someone motivated to buy, but at the same time, you can't just buy something under market value. We need to go ahead and sell it. So we're going to put that responsibility on him as well. And then you get your commission check once you buy and sell the property. So they're seeing the process. Obviously they're not in the middle part where the title company is handling that, but they're seeing the buy side and then the sell side, and then they get their commission. It's like you said, Dan, I think we probably sold, I mean, we've sold more this past week than we have in a few months, I think. And it, this is only his like third or fourth week. He's been, I mean, we've sold a couple hundred thousand dollars of land, I think this week. And it's been really helpful just talking to people on the phone, being a little salesy. We really try to teach him not to be too salesy when we're selling properties and more just being like an information giver. While on the acquisition side, you need to be a little more salesy, sell what we do, sell our business model and uh, get uh, purchase agreements. But it's like you said, instant, instant value, Dan, and instant return on investment, in my opinion. And the reason we did that was to have them cover the acquisitions and the for sale was ideally we want them to purchase because they're paid off a commission. They're not paid off of the sale. They're paid off commission of the profit, right? That's how Ron yeah. and I have it structured. So they're incentivized to buy cheaper, sell higher because they're commissioned employees. And that was kind of our thought behind it. We'll see and keep you guys updated how it goes. So far, it's been working out great because we're small enough, but all of a sudden we do, you know, 500 deals a month, Ron, and we'll need to split up different sides. It may make sense. I and want I think to talk Dan, about what, sorry, what are your thoughts on like, we can talk about this a little bit. So I think it's important on the type. I think it's a different, it's definitely a different type of sales without a doubt acquisitions versus selling a property. Um, I think it might be separate people that are needed for those two roles to be hundred percent honest. Uh, not necessarily needed based on the system, but just the type of sales I think are extremely different um, on the buy side versus the sell side. Uh, I find on the sell side, the more pushy you get, the more people kind of back off and get weary of your land. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Dan? Do you agree? That's interesting thought. I don't know. I was, when you were talking, I was thinking I need to analyze that over the next few months to see, cause I know he can be pushier and to see the results from that. Cause I'm open to him trying to do that and seeing if we can lock people in that maybe wouldn't have been locked in if he wasn't pushy. I was curious to see how that would play off. I really don't have an opinion on that now, but you're right. It is information. These people call, they want information. When can they visit the property? What's the property like? Is there flatland on the property? Is there a spot to build? Basic questions that these people call with. So it's more just give information. I think virtually anyone can do that sale side, the for sale side, Ron. Mm -hmm. I think virtually that's anyone why can do that. And that's why I think almost the value in it, like, I don't think you need the same quality person you doing both don't. sides. So it, you might, if you're sending enough mail to do enough on the acquisition side, 
you might, and maybe once you get to really negotiation period, then you send in someone like that, Daniel. Um, but I'm just kind of thinking, honestly, I, I haven't thought about this in a lot of detail. It just kind of came up and I thought it was an interesting point. It is. It's more of an information gatherer and definitely uh, the quality of person on the acquisition side is more skill, I would say, more uh, specialized is the good word for it, I think, on the acquisition side. For sales side, you just need to be really detailed. I feel like a transaction coordinators type of person would be really good at that, giving all the coordinates out, having thing, everything organized in notes, Ron. So, just someone with similar traits than transaction coordinator, really detailed, knows what's under contract, knows what's for sale, keeping things very organized. So I do think it is two different types of per people. The question is the negotiation side on the on the for sale side, Ron, yep. because there is negotiation with realtors going back and forth, getting a good feel where the market is. That's where it becomes a little more specialized. When the offers start to come in, you have to analyze your offers, look at the contracts, see what the options are, how much traction has been. Are there people visiting this week that want to put offers on it? Do we hold out? That type of stuff can be a little more specialized. But the next role I wanted to talk about, Ron, is due diligence, because right now we have our transaction coordinators doing it. But this is someone at some point, Ron, that could be its own role, I think, because due diligence gets really, really, really tedious. And there's a lot that you can get from due diligence. And I, I see a return on that because we always say the more information, the better when we're analyzing the properties to approve them for escrow or not, Ron. Yeah, without a doubt. I think it's I think it's like I kind of look at it as a similar person to transaction coordinator, in my opinion. Maybe transaction coordinator has a little better communication, but as far as the organization, like the diligent nat nature of both jobs, I think they're extremely similar in that way. And that's why our transaction coordinator job currently is the same thing in terms of due diligence and the title work. I don't even know if I said due diligence when we were talking about it earlier, Dan, but our transaction coordinator does due diligence as well, obviously. Lee. Uh, but uh, going into that, I think down the line, I think those are how that separates. It's a natural thing for one person to be doing due diligence, the other person to be doing title work. And you just got to find the right people that fit. And the people who just constantly do that, I think that's a, I, I don't think it has to be, I don't think it's going to be an expensive person at all. So our two choices, Dan, when we go higher in the future is having two separate people kind of assigned to different deals, and then they're doing the due diligence and the title work uh, for that deal or splitting it off. Uh, it, you were thinking more so splitting it off. Is that correct? Correct. I was thinking splitting the roles as two different separate roles. But the thing that I think of with due diligence that a transaction per coordinator might not have digging, right? I, I think of due diligence as someone that needs to dig for information. It's never, well, sometimes it's as easy as just calling and getting an answer. But a lot of times you got to follow up. You got to email, you got to call this person. He's on a cell phone out in the rural country somewhere digging and unraveling information is what comes to my mind. So it has to be someone like with that. I feel like it's almost a different brain like wiring, Ron, where they just need that information. They're kind of digging for that information and that fulfills them. I see due diligence with someone who's really good at just unraveling information, putting different pieces together. You know, we're looking for a plat map. Someone tells them to go somewhere else. They're putting all these different things together and figuring out how to get it and then they get it and they're fulfilled. I see that role as that, Ron. Yeah. And, uh, kind of a person who's like, a I almost view like it as like a pessimistic person. Like they're constantly trying to find a reason for us not to do the deal. And I think having that in a due diligence person, like, and then they're just going to present the information, but they are going to dig, like they're going to make sure the health department, I agree on that. And I think it's kind of that personality is someone who's looking 
to tell you something bad about the property, not in a bad way, just, and then when you hear, hear something good from them, like you're like, this is a good deal because they couldn't find anything that scared them off of the deal. Exactly. It's almost like the salesperson's optimism who wants to get the commission, right? So salesperson's pushing the, whoever makes the decision to buy the property. So say, let's do that round. Let's say there's a decision maker in the middle, kind of under it. And then there's the salesperson, due diligence person, and then the decision maker. And they communicate with the due diligence person and the salesperson to make a decision. Plus they look at the numbers. So we'll talk about data analyst next. They'll look at the numbers next. Um, so I'll put data analyst as well, Ron. But you have the due diligence pushing them not to in a way. I mean, they want the best for the business. So they're not going to actually say no, don't do it, but they're going to find reasons to not buy the property, period. And the salesperson is going to find reasons to buy the property. And the data analyst is just going to hopefully present the numbers as numbers with no human element, things like that. And then you have the decision maker kind of branching all that together. But that leads me to the next role and the final role that I'm going to talk about, unless you want to talk about the decision maker after Ron, but we're going to talk about data analysts. And that's what we're currently hiring for. So we don't actually have anyone on staff as Ron does that right now. I posted an application a week or two ago, but data analyst for pricing and just data stuff. I feel like this business can be so data driven. Everyone thinks the pricing person as the data person. There's so much more with this business that you can come up with. Didn't we just have an episode on this, Ron? I don't remember, honestly. I, remember I, I feel like we talked about data. Detail. Oh, the, it was uh, important data for new land investors to, uh, to track. I, I, I do remember that now. We probably got a little more advanced than uh, just, just, just from the way we do. I'm sure we got more advanced than we planned on. Yeah, exactly. But let's talk about the data analyst position. That's the last real role to this. So, so far we have salespeople, due diligence. If you want to split up due diligence and transaction coordinator, and then transaction coordinator and a virtual assistant slash general assistant, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. So data analyst, obviously a huge part of our business is mailing and data analysts is going to be responsible for pricing mail, getting mail out, choosing counties. But then beyond that, getting data on just all aspects of our business, certain markets that are taking longer to sell, really being able to predict things before we send mail is going to be something really important. And that's a really, really difficult thing to do because you really never know what's going to happen when you send mail. But if you send 100,000 mailers to X market, they should be at scale. They should be able to tell us what's going to happen. And that's something we're working on. And I'm working on with our CM, CRM develop, developer is getting all parts of our CRM to be kind of trackable, to have data on all parts of our CRM. It's something I've really emphasized to him because that's the only way a data analyst is going to be able to work. And it's going to be a data analyst when we hire them is going to be extracting data on the last 18 months. They're going to be looking at like recession data, Dan, uh, real estate market data in general, and just kind of start having predictions on that. So we know what's coming six months from now, which is impossible to know exactly, obviously, but and that role, I know you've talked about a little bit, Dan, it's also going to be deciding on what whether we buy properties a lot of times. So they're going to know the market so well. And I, in my opinion, that's a farther down the line uh, role for someone like a data analyst is being able to make decisions on properties, but being able to help the salesperson in markets. Salesperson looks at land, oh, this is nice land, we need to buy this. And it's basically any dollar amount, which is not the case. Like a data analyst is going to be able to say, listen, we can't go over $50,000 on this. It does not make any sense if we go any other above $50,000. We need to keep them under that. So that's where I see that role going in the long term. In the short term, it's going to be evaluating our data and getting a ton of mail out and scaling like that evaluating our data is going to be a big one. Listen to our data 
episode of data you need to track in your land investing business. If you haven't, we go into good detail, so I'm not going to go into too much detail on that. But I kind of see it as another role down the line, Ron, as a almost like an operations manager or some sort of manager, managerial position that is making the decisions because data is data. And we talked about this without a human element behind data. It's really nothing. It's just numbers. So you need to have a human element. There's things we look at. The numbers are going to tell us to not buy it in certain areas, but you start looking at things for sale and how much traction they're getting and things like that, that swing it a little bit. There needs to be a little bit of human element, maybe even 50-50, a lot of human element. The human element's talking to the salesperson and who the salesperson's talking to the realtors in the area. And the salesperson thinks it can sell for $90. And then the decision maker, the operations manager, whatever you want to call them in this decision, is talking to the salesperson, talking to the due diligence person, finding out what's wrong with the property, then maybe talking to the analyst, what do the numbers look like without a human element? Let's see that. And then what do they look like? He kind of puts in that human element, branching all those different departments together, kind of like you do, we do right now, Ron. I kind of see it as that, as a separate role or a data analyst, any of these positions within a promotion, they're within a promotion I see of being that decision maker, Ron. They're learning the system, learning the numbers, doing their role. One one promotion up would be actually making the decisions. Do we buy this property? Yes or no? What do we do? Make a decision and just get it done. Yeah. And it's a, if you hire outside, like it's so, and that's why when we hire, we hire for growth because this isn't like a job you can just put on the market and then you just have someone that uh, two weeks down the line making decisions as an operations manager, whatever you want to call them. So that's why we have focused so much on hiring people who can grow with us and hopefully make decisions down the line. But uh, that that's what that role is. That's where I am in our CRM right now. If we look at like the roles in our CRM, I do the operations manager role. And that's something that hopefully in the next six months, it's going to be someone's job. Hopefully it's going to be a promotion within our company, but who knows where they come from. But an operations manager, a decision maker is going to be a part of our business. Exactly. Once you have, I know we're getting really advanced with this and people who want to scale their business would appreciate this. And we've gotten that feedback. That's why we push this. Ron and I think bigger a lot of times with where can we take things, but to the bones, I'd say, once you have a transaction coordinator, salesperson and a pricing person, you really have your core. Then you throw, uh, then you throw a general assistant or virtual assistant in there and you have a well-oiled machine. First, get a general assistant or a transaction coordinator, salesperson and pricing person after that. Kind of just scale it one by one and you'll have a fully operating business without you before you know it. But like I said, Ron and I really think in advance hiring managers, keep scaling, hiring department managers and just scaling it up that way. So that's why you hear us kind of talking like this. You don't need to do this to be very successful in the business period. Ron and I didn't do this for a long time and made a lot of money. We wanted to take our business to the next level and made that decision that we want to hire and outsource and really grow this business. So we did that. But if you don't want to, if you don't want to manage anyone, you want to do it yourself or with your kids or wife or one other person, or maybe just one virtual assistant, that is completely fine. And a ton of people do that in our, in our course, Ron. Yeah. So just to break it down to finish it out, Dan. So currently in our business, we have a uh, transaction coordinator who does transaction coordinator roles and due diligence. We have a virtual assistant, a general assistant, who basically does all of our data. They do scrubbing, they do data input, all that kind of stuff. They obviously, I price, uh, we have a salesperson. They do the buy, they do the acquisitions and selling the properties. And then you have Daniel and myself. I do all the pricing and Daniel kind of manages the salesperson. 
a lot of stuff. Uh, so that that's what our business is right now. We do 20 to 30 deals every single month. We buy 20 to 30 properties every month. So you can get really big with a small staff, but our mindset, like Daniel was talking about, is growing even bigger to make this a full operation, uh, to be able to really grow this in all markets in the country. So that's why we're talking about this. I think this was really important to kind of, you can, you can do so much. You can do four or $5 million with three or four of profit with three or four employees. But if you want to get to 10, 15, 20, you're going to need a full operation. And uh, I, I think that's why we, I love talking about this stuff, Dan, opposed to just talking about just having one person on staff because I see the growth and I see the potential in this business. Absolutely. I, I get excited thinking of this too. And I'm thinking of some of our coaching members who are, who are probably listening to this, getting excited about their business because they're starting to take off and looking for the future what's next hiring and things like that. So I, I get excited talking of this. I'm excited. To, I love helping people on this subject, just growing, scaling, core values, mission, all that good stuff, because I, I get see so much value in it. And we're building something so much bigger than ourselves, just Ron and I, or whoever you are out there, you can build this as big as you want. So don't have a limit on yourself. And we talk about that a lot. Other than that, everyone, thank you so much for joining. To get started and to unlock your potential freedom, visit landinvestingonline.com slash discord to join our free discord where Ron and I and other tons of successful investors are involved. Please like, and subscribe this YouTube channel, Apple podcast, Spotify, whatever you're listening on. It really means a lot to us. Other than that, thanks for joining and we'll see you next week. Thanks guys.